Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, February 21st, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, it's Monday, which means I have to Monday, run through Monday. all of the cool stuff that happened in the feed over the weekend. First up, Jennifer McHugh and I had our latest, and by latest I mean second, episode of This Week in Theater came out in the podcast feed over the weekend. In the episode, Jen interviewed uh, Brittany Griffin, who is the director and choreographer behind the production of five guys named Mo at the Playhouse on Park in West Hartford, Connecticut. She also happens to be the personal assistant to one LaShawn's, which she talked about a little Ooh. bit there. Um, so that's very cool. We ta- uh, They talked about that show. And then I spoke with the one and only Cinco Paul, who you might know as nice. the creator of the Despicable Me franchise, wrote all the screenplays, wrote multiple screenplays for... Um, Dr. Seuss Films, and he is the creator, writer, and composer for Schmigadoon. I talked to him because his stage show, AD16, which he wrote with fellow stage and screenwriter Becca Brunstetter, is currently playing at the Olney Theater Center, and like hours after the show was released, uh, it announced that they have now extended to March 20th. Mm-hmm. So we talk about it closing on March 6th. It has actually been extended um, from there. He talks about what he hopes is the future for this show. Uh, I can tell you that he does not want it to end in uh, suburban Baltimore. I can uh, tell you that. And he also told me, spoiler alert, that he always conceived Schmigadoon for multiple seasons. Uh-huh. So we'll see what happens there. I also told mo- a little bit more in depth about my story to see come from away in Columbus with my grandmother. We do some review roundups. Jen uh, gives an, uh, uh, a review of the film adaptation of Small Engine Repair, a, a play that originated at her theatrical home, the Rogue Machine Theater in Los Angeles. So a great episode. And what I really like about doing this show is when I'm editing it, it's super easy for me to figure out where the different sections are. So I put timestamps. <laughs> <laughs> in the show notes so you can figure out when we're talking about what thing if you want to hear something specific go to the show notes do what I can so uh, and then on Sunday this week on Broadway Peter James and Michael were joined by the always phenomenal Jan Simpson they talked about a bunch of great shows Black No More The Music Man Prayer for the French Republic um, as well as Space Dogs and then some things from different theaters outside of you know the traditional Broadway and off-Broadway stuff they talked about so check out those episodes um, just great stuff happening in the podcast feed. Of course, you get everything in Patreon first. So head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio or... If you would prefer, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. You can have it uh, both ways. You can. You can have your .com and eat it too. Sure. I don't know. Something like uh, that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, all right, Ashley, let's get into the news and starting with a bit of a change over at the Stephen Sondheim Theater. On Friday, it was announced that the Broadway production of Mrs. Doubtfire would not be returning to the main stem on March 15th as originally planned. Instead, the production is now set to return on April 14th. The show shut down performances on January 9th for a proposed nine weeks in order to get concerns over the Omicron variant of COVID-19 under control. While large portions of our society seem to have moved on from Omicron concerns, producer Kevin McCollum still decided to push back the opening one more month, whether that's because of COVID or box office advances, who knows. But in a statement, McCollum said, quote, when we closed on January 9th, we started working on a plan to reopen as soon as we could with the hopes of providing long-term employment for everyone who works on Mrs. Doubtfire and for an extended run of the show. I am beyond grateful for the support of the extraordinary cast, crew, 
orchestra, and creative team, along with the Roundabout Theater Company, operators of the Stephen Sondheim Theater, who really want the show to be back and running, delighting audiences from around the world. The one thing I will say about that statement, the one thing that might stand out there, Ashley, is the fact mm. that he said they wanted to be delighting audiences from around the world. Perhaps they were concerned that tourism is not where yeah, it needs to be to do that. But like, as I've mentioned, be- go ahead. I was going to say that was my first thought of uh, tourism numbers have been low. Tourism numbers were low in the holidays as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just like getting a push closer to summer, essentially. Or I guess like it's not quite spring break. Would it be for people was, like that would have well, been March, right? Right. And that's that's what I was going to say. Like I had per- I mentioned this. I went over to the time and purchased tickets for my brother and niece for our March mm-hmm. trip when but my we're going well, they're going at that time because it's my niece's spring break. So it's interesting that they are deciding to start in April after spring breaks are over. You know, I don't know their numbers or the advances, but I would think that if you're going to skip spring break time, it might be better to wait until May or June to come back, probably mid-May. Um, it all seems weird. Obviously, Kevin McCollum knows how to make money on a Broadway show, yeah, so I'm, like, I'm not questioning him. <laughs> no, but it, it, it was curious. I had the same it thought is. you did. Yeah, it is curious. Um, the only thing, I guess, that would make sense is that um, they want to get back up before that Tony nomination period closes, because oh, if perhaps. they're completely shut down, I don't think they would technically be eligible well um, they opened so it would just be like they closed they so they already op- yeah it's, yeah they it's did open weird i don't know if there would be some kind of eligibility conversation well, there i don't think it would be eligibility but it might be having the opportunity to get voters in to see the show that's also that very could be true what, that that could be it yeah that's very likely so i feel like that's you know it's that meet in the middle point of one we need to get back up before the <laughs> nominators and the voters start coming in and also we need to get back up before the summer uh, and before the Tonys in general. I mean, they might end up closing after the Tonys or they may not end up getting back up at all. Um, But, you know, they need to get back up before the summer if they're going to have any chance because they need that tourism season for sure. Absolutely. All right. Next up, Ashley, after a seemingly spotty return to the title role of Dear Evan Hansen, it was announced on Friday that Jordan Fisher would play his final performance in the role yesterday on Sunday, Mm. February 20th. Two days after the announcement oh. was made. <laughs> yeah. Seemingly caught off guard a bit, DEH will be led by multiple actors over the next few months. First, the current Evan alternate, Zachary Noah Pizer, will share the role with the show's covers, as they often have like the six six and two split schedule. Um, through March 20th, Pizer will become the first Asian American actor to play the role full time. Then, later this spring, Ben Levi Ross, who launched the national tour of the show, will take over the role on Broadway before Sam Primack, who is now the alternate on tour, will play the role this summer. Also announced on Friday, Talia Simone Robinson, who is currently the Zoe and Alana understudy on Broadway, will become the first black actor to play Zoe beginning in early May after Gabrielle Caruba departs on May 1st. Actually, I don't tend to pay a ton of attention to like the attendance history of Broadway performers. I know that there are some people online who like obsess over that stuff. Yeah. Um, Gross. Gross, by the way. Well, I mean, if you're coming into town and you want to see somebody and you're trying to track it, like I get it. But anyway, Mm. it does seem that Fisher has been a bit spotty since reopening the show in December. And I don't know if that has to do with like 
he came back in December to give the show like a a bump in reopening and he's had filming stuff so. to do or maybe he's had some sort of health issues or voice. I, I don't know, but I'm a fan of his. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to see him leaving so abruptly and with so little fanfare because I think he's Definitely. a, he's a great performer and I hope that we see him on Broadway again more often. Definitely. He's great. And I think this is a really weird way to announce a departure, uh, like full stop. I, I, I think I'm with you there that I think they were, they brought him back to kind of give it that oomph during a time where they really needed it and where Broadway really needed it in general. And it's ended really abruptly here, and I'm not 100% sure why. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think we will know why. Maybe we will. Uh, But hey, on to the next cast, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and it seems like they're rotating them in and out. Different, different, you know, blue-striped polos going around all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ashley, let's move over to some Chicago casting news, not the musical Chicago, but the city Chicago, Ah. because over the weekend, we learned the complete cast for the Goodman Theater's upcoming premiere of Pulitzer Prize winner Doug Wright's new play, Good Night, Oscar. Joining the previously announced Emmy winner and Tony nominee, Sean Hayes, as real-life pianist and character actor Oscar Levant, uh, as well as the great Emily Burgle, stage and screen star as well, uh, who'll be playing his wife June, will be... Stage and screen star Ben Rappaport as the iconic Jack Parr. Tony nominee Ethan Slater will be playing Max Weinbaum. Trammell Tillman, who is creepy AF in the new Apple TV Plus show Severance, which I started over the weekend, is so good. It's my list. It's It it stars Adam Scott and it's directed by Ben Stiller, but it's not a comedy. It is a really kind of creepy thriller. There's a little Sold. dark humor in there, but Patricia Arquette's in it too. It. it is phenomenal. Um, Donald Weber, Weber Jr. and uh, Nikki M. James show up in the first two episodes Ooh. that are currently out. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Trammell Tillman will <laughs> be playing Alvin This is the Severance Penny. podcast yeah. now. And, uh, I could start it. Um, and more, <laughs> but directed by Lisa Peterson, the show centers on an evening in which the TV legend Jack Parr is joined by Levin on his iconic talk show. During an evening of witty one-liners, Oscar Lee bear the necessity of insanity in the making of brilliant work and the cost he is willing to pay to entertain the masses in an episode that Parr's audience and the rest of America won't soon forget. Fun. All right. Yeah, Ashley, this cast is tremendous yep. and I'm very excited to see how it does in Chicago because written by a Pulitzer Prize winner yep. um, with huge, uh, a huge stage and screen star like Sean Hayes filled in with a bunch of like really strong actors. This has to be eyeing a New York run, I would imagine. A lot of whom I think are based in New York, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it would make yeah. more sense that they would want to continue to do this show and bring it on to, you know, I don't like calling New York the main stage because it's so local uh, but you know the main stage for theater I guess yeah well certainly the most visible and talked about so and, sure. and and that's really especially when we're talking about playwrights getting a show done in New York exponentially helps the ability for them to have the show done regionally absolutely uh, you know the the one real exception to that rule has been Laura Gunderson who is the most produced playwright in America who yeah. <laughs> I, as far as I know has not I mean she's never been on Broadway Still, yeah and I but I and I don't know how much if any, she's had off-Broadway runs of things, but she's the most produced playwright because she, she writes. She might have. I, I, I'm not sure, but she's she's writes really good stuff that appeals to a lot of different people. So, anyway, hopefully this gets to New York because this cast is great. All right, Ashley, let's take a real quick break and talk about our sponsor for this week, Upstart. So. 
hypothetical or potentially not hypothetical question. What would you okay. do if you didn't not? I mean, this is more rhetorical to uh, like the audience, but you can answer if you'd like. Nah, I'm not. <laughs> what would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? Would you move to a new city? Ashley, you can go somewhere yes. warm. No. Um, would you buy a home? Would you again, buy a car? I don't live in warp. I know. We talked about this. I know. We talked about it last week. Anyway, Mm -mm. through Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly with a personal loan so you can tackle whatever your next big financial goal might be. Yeah. Upstart is helping you dream big, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date, and you can become one of them. They consider other factors like your income, your employment, and other information provided in your loan application to find you a smarter rate for your loan and you can check your rate without impacting your credit score in just five minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Most importantly, you get those funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash broadway. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash Broadway. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain information provided in your loan application. Once more, go to upstart.com slash Broadway. All right, Ashley, let's uh, take a real quick look at the theatrical schedule for this week. And we're actually going to start on this past weekend mm-hmm. um, because on Saturday, the great and the good Amber Gray played uh, her last performance in Town as Persephone. We've way down. We talked about this. She is going to be playing Banquo in mm-hmm. the upcoming Broadway production of Macbeth, along with Daniel Craig and Ruth Nega, which... Spoiler alert, I bought a ticket too because I had to see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I could have asked for press tickets, but like, I wasn't going to risk it. This is one of those situations where I'm going to see this show and I'm not taking a risk that I'm going to get boxed out and have to buy a bad seat closer to the date. So I went ahead and bought a ticket for May. Here's the question Um, about this. This is a little bit of a sidebar, but is this supposed to be a modern adaptation or a classic adaptation or somewhere in the middle? Do we know that? I mean, it's Sam Gold, so I'm guessing not a classic. Yeah, it's got to be more modern, right? Or Sam Gold. Right to did the text, the- but a more adapted for modern did- times, like King Lear. Well, he did the King Lear. He yeah. also did that Glass Menagerie yeah. with Sally Field, where like it was Sally Field and Joe Mantello, I believe, where it was just like mm-hmm. a table and nothing else. So who knows? It could be anything. Um, yeah, but I, I, I am interested that you know there's a, a it's a fairly diverse cast Love it. casting Amber Gray as Banquo is awesome. Yeah. Um, we're I'm going to talk about this in a minute uh, later because you did see Amber did. last week on Thursday, so we'll I'll talk about that here in a second. Okay. But we'll get back to it. Over the weekend, we had a handful of closings. First on Broadway. Dominique Moriso's Skeleton Crew closed at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater for Manhattan Theater Club. It, of course, starred Felicia Rashad and Brandon J. Durden. Then off-Broadway, we had a pair of closing. Claire Barron's closed off-Broadway at the Atlantic Theater Company. You and I both avoided that ASMR thing like a plague. Not going to do it. Sorry. Not going to do it. I really wanted to see it. I know. I I love Claire Barron. Love Claire Barron. I just I can't do it. I'm sorry. No, the ASMR thing just creeps me out. Um, also, Long Day's Journey into Night closed off Broadway at the Manetta Lane Theater, which starred Bill Camp, Elizabeth Marvel, Ato Blanks and Wood, and Jason Bowen. I saw it. It was short, yeah. but it was still Long Day's Journey, and it is not 
a show that I love. Mm, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, the one big thing coming up this week um, actually dovetails nicely into our recommendations. Beginning on Friday, February 25th, the Broadway production of Plaza Suite will begin performances at the Hudson Theater starring Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker. We've been looking forward to this show in varying degrees yeah. for two years yeah. now. <laughs> the show is obviously a revival of Neil Simon's 1969 show. It'll be directed by John Benjamin Hickey. It'll feature original music by Mark Shaman, which I don't know that I recognized at first. Um, we've talked about the show uh, recently, especially the fact that Molly Ranson, who is currently starring in Prayer for the French Republic, she will be de- departing that uh, yeah. show, I guess, cause, especially because it got an extension um, to be a part of this show. Danny Bolero, uh, Cesar, Cesar, Cesar J. Rosado, and Eric Weigand will also be a part of the cast. We'll with Aaron Dilley and Matthew Broderick's Tony-winning co-star from Nice Work, if you can get it, Michael McGraw, True. will be uh, the standby along with Aaron Dilley as well. You are a noted producers fan. I am. Yeah. Um, and I know you obviously love Nathan Lane. Does that love extend as much to Matthew Broderick? Oh, absolutely. But it's in conjunction okay. with the producer. I've loved Matthew Broderick okay. for so so long because of Ferris Bueller, obviously. Um, but then I became mm. like a well, no, get over it. I became like a <laughs> massive producer's head uh, right. growing up as I'm like surrounded by producer stuff right now and not wearing my producer sweatshirt for once, but it is like a few feet away from me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, this is a weird one. I'm not particularly interested in seeing it. And I've actually been pretty mixed as far as shows that I've seen Matthew in for as much as I love him. He's very much uh, a very specific character he's good at. But, you know, they himself, himself, himself to an extent, but also not. Um, But, you know, they've been trying to get this show up so aggressively for so many years now at this point that I hope it goes well for them. I hope they they get the reviews they so clearly want. But it doesn't matter. They are charging so much money for this thing. They're going to make tons of money. They're both super rich anyway, but it will be interesting. Matthew and Sarah making all that and just like that money right now. So Very good. Very good. Uh, But they did stop by CBS Sunday morning to talk about the show. So we'll have a link to that. I watch CBS Sunday morning on Monday because I tape Mm. watch it the next day while I'm working. Um, So I'll be watching that tomorrow. Then... Josh Gad did something over the, the mm. I guess on Friday that confused a lot of folks. Yeah. He tweeted this out, quote, out of curiosity, if the original cast of Book of Mormon were to hypothetically come back and perform for a few weeks and potentially record those performance, performances Hamilton style, how many of you would be interested asking for a friend? Now, to me, Ashley, you don't send out that tweet unless that is something that is actually happening. happening. Yeah, absolutely. Like, has been confirmed, <laughs> contracts signed. And now we're just A waiting. Lot of, well, except he sent that at 10.06 a.m. on Friday. At 12.34 p.m., he tweeted, for the record, there is nothing in motion. This is more of a curiosity thing. Nothing has been discussed at this time. Blown away by the interest and the passion, though. Josh. It's a choice. It's a choice. Stop. I don't know if he's lying about that. He either made a really he got crucial in trouble. error. That's, <laughs> he got in yeah. trouble with some, some member of the team. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There has long been a pro tape of the OBC yeah. uh, Book of Mormon in the vault. Um, from what I understand, it was part the of Disney Trey vault Parker now. and Matt. 
No, no. Trey Parker and Matt Stone signed a deal with Warner Brothers, um, so HBO owns it. But I would imagine that because of the rewrites and some of the concerns over the way that the African characters were depicted, that mm-hmm. that might be really hard to release. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did this with him and Andrew Reynolds, you know, even a decade plus after the original run. Um but it just seems weird to tweet that out and be like, ha ha ha, just kidding. It's very strange. And it's also just like, are we clamoring for a Book of Mormon pro tape right now? Because I'm personally not. I, you know, no. I, I want everything to be filmed uh, and available. But that was such a weird thing to toss out early on a Friday morning. If you're yeah. if you're not having active conversations, yeah, I would even say that even if it was just in conversations, it was too early to be talking about that. Totally. But anyway, the last recommendation that I have is uh, my friend Ashley Hufford um, sent out a TikTok over the weekend. She was actually looks pretty close uh, in the final performance of Hades Town oh that God. Amber Gray was yeah. in. She recorded the final version of her "I Raise My Cup," <sighs> um, and it is. Uh, great, the whole two and a half minutes. Yeah. And so we'll have that. So, Ashley, real quick, I want to give you the floor. You sure. went on Thursday yeah. night, which is why Grace and I did the show on Friday, which is not our normal schedule, but yeah. you were, I did you were there. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You were there to see that show. Um, you know, what three performances, four three performances, performances before, before she left? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what were the, what were the feels like? I mean, anytime she was on the stage, people just went, bat shit for her which as they should it seemed like yeah, it seemed like at this point the audience is made up of people who have seen the show many times except for the like the people next to me who were very clearly seeing it for the first time but had the time of their life they were very confused i was surrounded by people because i brought my partner who has never seen it and then it was uh, like four people to the right of me hadn't seen it but they were having the best time of their life but she was sensational she was absolutely on um and you can tell like everyone on that stage was relishing that it was her final week it was you know i raise a cup always makes me weep so no exception there um i will miss her dearly i'm very excited to see her literally right across the street in macbeth from the walter kerr yeah that's right that's <laughs> like right. the the marquee is already up so i was just like waiting outside the walter kerr and just staring up at the marquee from macbeth like amber gray abound baby on what 48th 47th street 48th street 48th street yeah Loved it though. Yeah, she's amazing. Loved it. She she can do no wrong. Um, and I'm still a little salty with the Tony voters that she did not win. No offense mm. to Ali Stroker, who I thought was also uh, exceptional as Ado Annie, but like that could have gone either way. But that's- no, I mean it did go one way. It shouldn't have. Uh, and and please forgive me. Know, this I'm is sorry. nothing to do with Ali. I thought that Amber Gray's performance in Hades Town is literally one of the greatest things that I've ever seen in a featured role. It's so. remarkable. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, that's all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Ashley. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. And just an addendum, real quick, before we get a bunch of comments. Yes, yes. Mar- uh, Lauren Gunderson has had several plays off Broadway, the most recently oh, seeming like The Half Life of Marie Curie. Oh, yeah. It's still uh, years Time ago. Time flies by, baby. 
Yeah, still deserves to be on Broadway. Obviously, let's get let's get like the 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 sense and sensibility Christmas show mm-hmm. on Broadway here at there some point. So, Just get yeah. it on Broadway. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody, have a great week, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye.